0: Russell Green played the first eight rounds of the 1980 season for St Kilda and reappeared the following week in Hawthorne Colours. It was a shock transfer that reshaped his football life, his life in general. Welcome Russell. Thank you Michael. So I bet you glad you made that move. Well, you didn't actually make that move, did you, it was, it was imposed upon you?
1: Yeah, well I played against Geelong, round eight, down at Cadinia uh, Park as it was known those days and played on Michael Turner and he gave you a nice touch up. Trained all week, leading into Round 9, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Jezzelinko was the coach and he said, Russell, you're playing on Dougie Hawkins, but you've got to put in a little bit more because last week was unacceptable. I said, yeah, no worries. So I jumped in the car and from Linton Street to my house is about seven minutes. And by the time I got home, my wife, Roxy, said, don't take the dog for a walk because Don Scott's bringing you back. Said, Don
0: Scott being the Hawthorne captain Hawthorne, the time. He was in
1: match, match committee and... I said, why would you want to speak to me for <laughs> So, anyway, he rang back and virtually he said, Look, um, be down at Moorabbin tomorrow to pick up your boots. Ian Drake will meet you out the front. And I said, what, what for? He said, Well, you are now a Hawthorne player. So the deal was done? The deal was done. Without any involvement from you? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. So it was
0: Russell Green to Hawthorne in exchange for Mark Scott and Tony King? And Tony King. Yeah.
1: Well, so between it's... them, they I think I only played. It wasn't a great. No, it wasn't Lee Matthews and Don Scott for <laughs> Russell Green. It was. Tony, who was, who was battling, and, and Mark, who had Gladys Moncrief in front of him. Yep. So it was a great opportunity for both boys. Well,
0: they played 38 games in total for St Kilda. You played 184 for Hawthorne.
1: Yeah, well, I was, I was very fortunate. i tell you what, Mike, it's a lot easier playing in a, a side that's well-oiled, sure. well-structured. Um, and I remember my days at St Kilda, which I, which I loved. Uh, you were a St Kilda boy. You started at 16. You're part of that
0: fabric of that footy club and my memory was that you were pretty happy at St Kilda.
1: Oh, yeah, I loved it. Um, we, Roxy and I just got married uh, in 80, so that was another thing. We got married in 80 and eight games into the season, we're in... Off we go. We are shipped off to, to another mm. club. It was the most bizarre... Tell me, correct me if I'm wrong here, you
0: were named in the St Kilda team for Round 9, obviously no reference to being included in the Hawthorne team. You turn up to Waverley the next day for the Hawthorne-North Melbourne game.
1: Pick up the story from there. Well, Stephen and Nick, uh, who was playing for North Melbourne, we always used to converse prior to the game and I remember saying to him, well, we'll see you probably sooner than later. And obviously he, <laughs> didn't, he didn't pick up on it. So, we, Roxy and I, we drive into Waverley. Remember the old parking mm-hmm. area for the members and, and, and the players? So I drive in, and this is true as, I, as I'm sitting here. To the left of me, and it was just... It was, it was sequence. They... Both pulled in, Stephen Nick on my left and Lee Matthews on my right. So I'm, Roxy and I are looking at both of them, we're going, oh. so out we jumped out of the car, and Nicky's looked at me, going, What are you doing? And then Lee got out and he said, Mate, what, what's, what's going on here? And Nicky's gone, oh, mate, um, yeah, you're playing with us. Because North Melbourne in those days used to do those tricky type yes. situations. Yeah. So I said, no, stick, I'm, I'm playing with Hawthorne. And then I had to walk in and I sat down in the old days. So Lee didn't know? Lee didn't Lee know didn't that you know. were a teammate? Yeah, well, he wasn't on match committee at that stage. Yeah. Scotty was. Scotty was the captain. Yeah, so Scotty was the captain. And it was the most bizarre feeling. Uh, one week playing for St Kilda and then trained mm. all week, picked a play... And then two days later, roll up at
0: and... And for the younger people, the people of your, your mm. children's generation, at that time, you could transfer players any time up until June 30. Correct. Yeah. Correct.
1: They, you either get sacked or you could be transferred. Yep. I remember Mickey Malthouse left in 76 prior Saint to... St Kilda to Richmond. St yeah. to Richmond. Yeah. You played nine seasons, or
0: eight and a half seasons at Hawthorne, played in uh, six grand finals... Three premierships.
1: Yeah, look, I was, I've experienced the highs and lows. At St Kilda, I played in Wooden Spoons, and that team was vir- virtually your su- survival of the fittest. I mean, you try. Well, or off
0: the ground, mate. Oh, no. <laughs> it was pretty yeah, tough no, off the
1: ground at St Kilda, wasn't yeah, it? So, yeah, at times. Um, but at St Kilda, it, you virtually were playing to secure your spot. Whereas at Hawthorne, it was conducive to be really team-orientated. I remember when we used to play Hawthorne at Morabbit and just the camaraderie mm. and the respect and what they, you know, a bloke would kick a goal and the four or five blokes would run from the back line and pat him on the head and like, mate, fantastic. So that was, and the thing, we, really, we played North Melbourne that very first game, as I mentioned before, and we were five or six goals down, kicking into a, a howley wind kicking towards the Dandenong and A young boy called Chris Mew came on mm-hmm. um, off the interchange and he had 14 kicks in that last quarter and we got done by five points. We got done by five points. How'd you go? I had as many touches as Chris did in one quarter. So I had 14 because <laughs> I remember it very vividly. Uh, so then I go out to the car um, with Roxy's waiting. Um, we went to the aftermatch, then we go out to the car, we're having a chat. And she said, Oh, mate, fantastic comeback. That was unbelievable. Mm. And I said, you wouldn't believe it. They're all crying. They're virtually, you know, I'm, I played against Collingwood at St Kilda and got done by 178 points one day. So to get close was... Because we hardly won any games mm. in those days. And I said, look, th- these blokes are broken-hearted. They're shattered. And Roxy said, it was only five points. I said, yeah, that's, that, I think that is the difference that uh, one really took it to heart and really felt what happened transpired out on the ground. And at St Kilda... In my later years, there, there were a lot of the senior blokes that had moved on, so there was a definite cultural difference.
0: Now, in the 15 years that you played at AFL level, you played 20 finals obviously, all at Hawthorne. Sinclair played none, none in 15 years. Yep.
1: And you could have had your entire career there, couldn't you? I could have, um, so I still think Alex Jezelenko. Every day, even though I haven't heard from him, because remember the World so of you Sport? So
0: you don't know why? No. Yeah.
1: Remember World of Sport? Like yeah. The younger crew won't know, but World of Sport, I'm sitting there watching and Jezza's on, and I think Peter McKenna was the presenter asking the questions, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And Jezza said, look, it's not right for me to answer that question this here. about you and why Yeah, about yeah, me, yeah. why we all got swapped. And I'll ring Russell as soon as I get off. <laughs> um, I look. You know, I still haven't heard from him, but, yeah, but I still thank you very much. Your friend's been busy, mate. <laughs> yeah, in those days, no mobiles, was just a... You know you know how lucky you were, you know? Not
0: only did you go to Hawthorne and enjoy that success, but it was a divided vote about you. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. You have done your homework. <laughs> um, a bloke called Ron Cook, who was, the was president? our president. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Coote uh, was the vice president, so he, he sat in. Ron had been sick, he'd he, um, been in hospital, he came up to me, put his hand out and shook it and said, Russell, I'm glad you're here at Hawthorne. And then he just grabbed me, pushed me closer, and he said, "If I wasn't in hospital, son, you wouldn't be here. Is that right? That's fair, Nick. And I go, "Oh, yeah, this is this is serious. This Beca- is serious. Because as good as bloke as you are, you're a wild boy, weren't you?" Well, yeah, I was. I mean, at St Kilda when I first started there, there was so many senior players: uh, Cowboy Neil, um, Brian Minight, um, Bugsy Moran. A lot of that premiership group was, was still together. And then, all of a sudden, they, they just all retired or moved on. And all of a sudden, um, Trevor Barker, Grant Thomas and Russell Green are the, the senior blokes mm. around the place. Robbie Mewick, Muir, Val um, mm. Valperovic. So, it was like... It was a, ship. a common theme there. Yeah. It was a, so, there wasn't <laughs> much, much structure um, down there. And, I, look, I know that Grant Thomas wouldn't mind me mentioning this, but, um, yeah, you know, th- he actually went back to St Kilda to write the wrongs that happened to him. Because he had no support. A lot of us, in some ways, didn't have a lot of support. Um, and I remember one night at, at training, um, our ball use was terrible. So Mike Patterson thought the best way to fix up the ball use is to run laps. So <laughs> yeah. we just did. But in, um, Indian um file, but in pairs. And Thomas <laughs> grabbed me and said, mate, you keep on the outside the whole time. I'll stay on the inside, as far away from Terry Moore, who was the fitness advisor, and, and Mike Patterson. And I said, why, mate? He said, "Mate, I've had a big lunch." I said, "Geez, yeah, you stink of grog." Mm. Uh, he said, well, "Look after me." So, so we did. We looked after each other.
0: He was one of your so-called partners in crime, but you lived life in the fast lane, then didn't you? You started league football at sixteen.
1: Yes, I did. And it was um, a big
0: party, wasn't it, for a, f- for a few oh, years.
1: Oh, well, I, I can remember yeah, when I first started. I was, I was doing VCE or HSC or VCE um, in nineteen seventy-four, and I thought oh, you know, I just gave everything to my footy, and for some unknown reason. Uh, I got off the tracks. I'm not blaming anybody, it was me. I, 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 No-one put me in a headlock and dragged me away no, and said, no. you've, got, you've got to do this. Uh, went to Teachers College. I remember um, we used to have, on a Wednesday, we'd play sport against other other colleges. And um, I overindulged after we played footy games. Notice that we played footy matches. On the squirt you're talking about? Yeah, so yeah. I had a few drinks and yep. um, drove, which is just mm. unforgivable. Drove off to Moorabbin, and um, Ross Smith was um, the assistant coach at that, that stage, and he's come up to me and he said, um, ''You've been drinking?'' I said, ''Yeah, yeah, I've had a couple.'' He said, ''Get inside and get someone...'' He didn't say for me to drive, but get inside and get out of the place. You're an absolute disgrace. What um, age were you then? I would have been 18, 19, mm-hmm. maybe, 18 or 19. But the the funny thing, Mike, is that um, I played on the Saturday. I was picked. Mm. I can imagine doing that at any league club now. I mean, the playing group, the the senior players, would just banish you for six months. Mm. So it was was a lot different, the environment, um, when we played.
0: Let me remind you of one of your quotes from 1981. You said, quote, I was knocking around with guys who weren't interested in footy and I let myself go. I wasn't looking after myself.
1: You thought at that time that it could have been all been over for you at 22 or 23, did you not? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it well could have been over. If, if I did stay at St Kilda, I have no doubt that it would have been all over and done with, without any doubt whatsoever. Um, but also, in my defence, um, <laughs> Matt Roxy and I got married um, and I was turning myself around to be more disciplined and started doing the, the required things to be able to come a senior player. But what really opened my eyes is when we went to Hawthorne, that just the, the calibre of player and the way they train, the way they prepared themselves. Uh, look, I know they do it brilliantly today, but these, these boys, when I was pl- playing with back then, were just everything they lived for, apart from their families, which is your number one priority, was to be successful. And I used to look at Matthews and Scott and Knights and Tuck, these blokes, didn't say that to him, but you know, you're premiership players. And that's as soon as I got there virtually, that just burned in me. I just, I just wanted to experience what they did. And I was going to do everything in my power make certain sacrifices, uh, lift up my work rate, do anything that, that was possible uh, to become a premiership player. When did you? You swore off the grog, didn't you? Yes, absolutely. When? Uh, it was New Year's Eve down at Phillip Island, so coming into 1983. I just wanted to give myself every opportunity uh, to be successful because I knew we were building. Dermot had come on board, um, Langford, Loveridge, um, and, and I could see that something special. was Mui was killing them
0: mm. at centre-half back. When you talked about that and the Hawthorne of that time, and we now look back on this great club, and it is a great club, mm. Highly successful, but early 80s, a bit of a struggle. John Kennedy wasn't all that happy about the way things were
1: unfolding, was he? Correct, Wait, In 19, I think it was 81, Yabby's first year, first full year, 1981, um, believe it or not, Hawthorne were going to go on strike. The players were going to go on strike. Over what? I think it was pay, wages. Um, I hardly got anything anyway, so it didn't worry me, but (laughs) I got caught up and we went up to the players' room. And Big Kanga, he's got the most amazing voice. And he just popped his head in. Didn't come in. G'day, fellas. We looked around. Scotty was holding court. We looked around. You know what? You used to be really respected in this competition. Now you're just all good blokes. Good Is afternoon. Right? Really? And just walked out. So what he was saying, you blokes are uh, putting mm. personal gains in front of what he did yeah. for his jumper. And so the
0: message got immediate traction?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Look, I, I, don't, I wasn't involved in the negotiations or anything like that. But I know that... Um, things started to roll a lot smoother after that. And that, that's just, look, time plays with your mind and stuff mm. like that, but he certainly... Um, he's, he's Matthews is 300 and Tucky's 250th out at... Um, the Witten Oval. At the Witten yep. Oval. We're kicking against the wind. It's about 10 goals. 10-goal 10 breeze. You know how it blows then. Mm. And Yabby was our coach and uh, he said, boys, um, I want to address you this, more, uh, this afternoon. I've got Kanga. Out of my 300-plus games, only two or three speeches that stick in my mind, and he got up. This is John, yeah. John Kennedy, yeah. and what he spoke about, it wasn't a lot. It was just basic hard stuff, and the back of my ha- hairs and the back of my mm. neck were just standing. I'm looking at all the blokes over there, salivating, all set to go. <laughs> so we were kicking against a huge... We're eight goals to two up at, at quarter time.
0: Going against the... Going breeze. against yeah. the
1: breeze. And I, and, and I know why Hawthorne is the way it is. I know there's been plenty of people before Kanga who have left their legacy, but his legacy is just I, he's just re- re- revered. But isn't it amazing,
0: not one element of strategy in that, just making you both want to play for the jump. Absolutely. Six grand finals, man. Do you ever reflect on that? I mean, you, you've got a lot of friends still at St Kilda, never even played finals. You've played six grand finals.
1: Yeah, I, I remember um, when we won at 93, because uh, i have been off the grog the whole year, and, and when we actually won, and we went back to the... Linda Crescent, social club, when you think about it now, just that little area. And um, I could only have one or two beers. Yeah. Um, I was just so emotionally drained because, you know, the build-up, I've never experienced it before. The build-up was enormous. Um, we're playing a side who hasn't won one for a long time. I knew they were g- going to be, like, the crowd favourites and so forth. Uh, I, I just still today just um, think how lucky I But I've experienced the extreme lows and I've experienced the extreme highs. And um, it's just it's, it's hard to explain what it is. And I'm sure anyone who plays in any level of footy feels exactly mm. the same. But I wanted to become a regular at a really, really good side. I wanted the respect of my peers and I wanted to become a premiership player.
0: 1984, Russell. You're playing in a team that includes the names of Matthews, Tuck, Brereton, Depeer Domenico, Ayres, Wallace, among others. Mm. You win the best and first. You lose the grand final but win the best and first. That's, that is a huge achievement, isn't
1: it? Oh, look, I was um, extremely... And once again, I still pinch myself because you just mentioned a few of those players. You know, Chris Mew wasn't in that group. That um, Very fortunate. But everything was geared to... I remember we, we had a lady called Karen In. She was our yes, dietitian. dietitian. She's a fantastic yep, yep. lady. And we would go to restaurants. Um, and if I didn't know how it was cooked, I wouldn't eat. <laughs> and Roxy used to go nuts, and he said, "You, you just can't sit there and uh, eat the bread and stuff." You got, but I—that's how fanatical I was. I wouldn't touch anything unless I knew one hundred percent. I knew what was going into my body. When we
0: come back, Russell, I want to take you back to a very awkward time in your life. Your role in the infamous incident involving Dermot Brereton and Danny Frawley. <laughs> St Kilda, long history there, long in relative terms, and a longer history at Hawthorne. I see you as a Hawthorne person, do you? Because most people tend to gravitate back to their
1: original club. Yeah. I'm a member of the past players at St Kilda. I did a lot of uh, growing up at stages, and other stages (laughs) not too good. Um, At my time there, um, I'm a past player. Uh, I attend as many functions as I can. I I love the place. I mean, I was there for seven years, Mm. seven and a half years, I do, but I'm. people often ask me this question and I try and probably sit on the fence and say, look, I love St Kilda and I love Hawthorne, um, but there's no doubt that oh, I'm a Hawthorne, I'm a Hawthorne yep, person. Yep. I want to talk about that crossover, stay
0: with the two clubs. Mm. Round 10, 1988, does it ring a bell for you?
1: Hawthorne were playing St Kilda. Oh, yeah. Um, Dermot Burton was playing do, on Danny yes. Frawley. Yeah, Danny Frawley. It mm-hmm. um, was my last year. We're playing at MCG. I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday game. And... I think St Kilda... Yeah, St Kilda must have kicked a goal because I've changed off the ball and I'm running towards the city end goals. I see Spud give... Danny, yep. Danny, a bit of a clip over Dermot's ear. bit of a clip or a big whack? Oh, well, well Danny's a very strong man. He yeah. Could, yeah. So it was it was a firm whack. Yeah. Um, and I turn back because the ball's been bounced and then I turn around and Danny's asleep. He's gone to sleep. <laughs> but Dermot's still running towards me he obviously knew that he made contact. So he's thrown his elbow he's, back? I, I don't know what he's thrown back. So Dermot gets reported, yep. goes to the tribunal. Mm. Um,
0: you were then involved with two mates. One, a bloke you're playing with, mm. Dermot, and a friend in, in Danny. Yep. And you took Dermot's side and Danny didn't like it. Is that a correct synopsis? Uh, I, well, when you,
1: say, I, when you say take sides, I didn't take a side. I, I was asked by John Hook who was the football manager at that stage, he said, Greeny, did you see it? I said, yes. I saw Spud, um, but I didn't see Dermot. He he obviously did, because he's the only two in the area. Yep. He said, are you willing to go up? I said, mate, do you realise what I've got to do? Yeah. He said, well, he's going to get six weeks, unless you do it. I said, look, I'm doing it, because I'm telling my side of the story, what I saw. So we go up to the tribunal. Danny's with his advocate, um... Mm -hmm. And I'm out with with Danny, and then Danny do, does his business and goes in and tells what happened, and then D- Dermot does he's, Oh no, he was last. Dermot was last, so I'm called in. Player Green, what happened? So Danny's opposite with his. So I'm telling the story, and I can see his hands going. He's going. I'm going. Oh, that was the sickest I've ever felt in. And then we walked out, and Spud's whacking the wall, and that I'm going. I, I just felt terrible. Did but you speak? I couldn't. No. I, I couldn't. And he... I, no sense trying he to... He thought... Spud thought you'd sold him out, did he not? Well, I, I would say so. That's what it, that's, he, that's he would have mm. thought. But all I'm doing, Mike, all I was doing was... I'm not up there to try to get somebody off. No, oh, no. i had been asked to go there... And give your version of it. And give events. my version yeah, of it. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned,
0: that's exactly the way... But you and, you and Danny Frawley didn't speak for a long time after
1: that, is that true? A long time, yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. And look, I, I can understand why he, he didn't want to have... Look, not that we crossed paths very yeah. often, but I can understand exactly why he, he felt that way. Understand. And you know what, Mike? He's still got six weeks. Yeah. he got six <laughs> weeks. And you um, lost a mate. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm sure... Look, it's frosty and... Um, it's still frosty, is it? Oh, no, no, no. no um, if I saw Danny now, I mean, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the way... And uh, you know, I can understand um, his stance on it also. Uh, now, your father-in-law's the Australian tennis immortal Frank Sedgman. Yep. Did you ever take a set off
0: him? Actually, have you ever stood over the other side of the net from him? Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All, all of us have. I yeah. mean, he's a fantastic... I remember prior to the 83 grand final, I went around to his to his house, which is just around the corner. Um, he'd won Wimbledon, US, uh, Davis, Cup, uh Australian. He had done everything. Yeah. Absolute superstar. I said Frank is there any, any any wisdom you can give me he said don't get overawed and just treat it like another game I said Frank it's not another game no. he said but look don't get overawed keep it keep it under control because if you lose it it's all over and I remember in the rooms um, David Polkinghorn was going to play up until about half an hour 83 tri- 83 yeah 83 Polkey was going to play yeah he made a switch and Dipper was playing so this bloke, although Polky had played in two, he's walking around tapping everyone on the back, going, mm. no, good luck. I, I'm thinking that's me. I can't handle it. And mm. I, I lost it. I got really emotional. I so said, how, how can you do that?
0: OK. I want to ask you about uh, one of your boys, or two, both of your mm. boys, and uh, in turn Stephen. Stephen played uh, football for the Hawks, won number 29. Mm. Um, it's, see, I was working with you at the time on, on yeah. Fox Footy's league teams. It seemed to drain you unbelievably, like Stephen's battle to get a, a regular spot in this team. Yeah,
1: Roxy used to say, when the team's coming, hey, it's not your career. Get <laughs> get it. over it. Yeah. But I, I, all the things that I used to feel, like getting dropped, left out, um, not in consideration, all those type of things, I used to go through that those symptoms myself. And Roxy just said, look, it's his career. Let him do what he has to do. But is, uh, isn't it more painful for father? with his son than it was for the father himself? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you just know how hard it is to, to gain a foothold and get into the side. And I know exactly how hard he worked because he gave everything mm. to his footy. Absolutely everything. Absolutely 100%. What, did he play 40-odd games? He played 42 games.
0: 42 games. Yeah. What about your other boy, Brent? Brent, um, in a, a family photo in The Age, I think in 2015, mm. announced that he was gay, announced to the, mm. to the world that he was gay. Yeah.
1: How did you deal with that? Um, he's a beautiful young man. Um... he just finished VCE. And we went at Roxy and I went out for lunch with with Brent. And then I went back to work and they ended so up... So, go back before, that. Did he say... Dad, no, Mum no, 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 no. I... I knew there was mood swings and they were huge. And in retrospect, I would have said, Brent, you know, are you all right? I would have done that initially anyway, but I should have probed a little bit more... Mm. Should have got, mate, you know, what, what's really upsetting you? Um, and I don't know whether he would have said, no, I'll brush it off or whatever. Um, but there were distinct and heavy mood swings. Just He finished his VCE, he ended up back at his um, godmother's place, Margie's place. And he'd had a couple, and he's come up to me and said, Dad, is there anything you want to ask me? <laughs> and I said, Is there anything you want to tell me? And uh, he said, oh, We'll talk later. So the following morning, I got, went up to his room and I said, look, um, Brent, all you wanted to tell me was that you were gay. And I started crying. And he said, Dad, that's why I, I didn't want to bring this out because I, I don't want to upset you or Mum. I mm. said, mate, I, I don't care what your preference is. What I really heard about is that I couldn't help you. In mm. those, and it was a period of time. He, he came out to Angie, our daughter, three years prior. So she knew. She three, knew for three years. Three years. Prior. And didn't share it with either you or, no, your, or she. Or the, she swore or, that she or Roxy. Yeah. yeah. So really respected for that. So um, yeah, it was. He's a beautiful young man. He's mm. highly intelligent. Tell me, uh, well, of course he is. But this is funny. You and I. Talk, I mean,
0: I'm t- it's, it's foreign territory for me, yeah. so I don't understand. You do now because you're living in a family. Oh, yeah.
1: And you know what, Mike? Um, the other thing that really cut me deep. When I was a young. Now you, you. You're, we're the same vintage. We would have done. On the football field, it was brutal what we used mm. to say to blokes. Um, at school, I know that I used to say terrible things, homophobic things. And the suicide rate of people who are LGBTIQ is 50% higher mm. than the heterosexuals. So, I could be well responsible for making someone do something completely, you know, at worst, take mm. their life, or make, make them feel really, really uncomfortable. Yep so so when when Brent
0: told you and it settled in and did you actually reflect on what you might have done and said all those years before absolutely
1: yeah. it still haunts me today yeah some of the things I've said to people um, but in jokes and you know, yeah, just yeah, so yeah, yeah. You know, there's a group of a hundred people in this room there's you know, there's, 10%, there's 10 percent there's ten people who are who are in that spectrum and we've just got to be so so make people feel inclusive yeah. don't corny jokes and stuff yeah, like yeah. that make people feel
0: but you and I grew up in an, in an era when inadvertently I think in fairness to us there was never yeah. any malice intended in yeah. that but the, the things that we would say yeah. about But it doesn't matter if there's no malice I know no I know, that. I know that now yeah. but I'm thinking the things that we would have yeah, said was, and laughed at I remember the people that, the jokes at glenn James's expense because he was indigenous yeah you know and he would laugh I and mean, it was a painful laugh for him wasn't
1: it oh absolutely I mean you can imagine you know he's just sucking up and trying to and, being, and been unaffected by it, but it must just cut so deeply. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely so deep.
0: And now the family's totally involved. I love that photo of you, the Green family in the paper. Angie's involved in the Step Up movement.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's got a company called Stand Up Events. Stand uh, Up Events, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's... Um, she, her event is on the 22nd of, um, of May. It's called mm-hmm. Move in May. Are you active in that? Absolutely. I'm an yep. ambassador. Yep. Um, Molly Meldrum, Trent Cotchen, um Brendan Goddard... There's, there's, and actresses... Juddie's involved in that? Juddie, yeah. There's, um, I think there's about 30, 30-odd ambassadors. Getting back to our, our sport, footy, um, I have a, a kid at school. I, I work at a, um, a school in Cranbert.
0: And name, name the school. It's, it's Marnebeck.
1: It's, it's a special needs school, isn't it? A special needs yeah. school. And yeah. fantastic school. staff are brilliant. But we have some kids who, like, have a certain... Problems at at, time, at times. Most of the time, fantastic. And there's this young young boy who's fanatical, fanatical St Kilda. Mm. So I did something just recently um, with Matt Finnis at, at Moorabbin. and um, this young boy was having a couple of issues. So I went around to Rui, Joey, the whole lot of them, um, Maverick Weller, who are all, all the leadership group, and they all sent him a, a message. Mm. And I took it the following day. I said, hey. Have a look at this, mate. Bang. And he he started crying. And um, we, as past footballers and present-day footballers, have got so much to give to these these kids and to try and eradicate this homophobia in in footy, in Mm -hmm. society. So it's such a strong tool. Well
0: played, Greeny. you are been to be extremely proud of what you've done on the field and more recently off the field. Good to
1: see you, mate. Thanks, Mike. Cheers, mate. Thank you.
0: This has been a Fox footy production part of the Fox sports network.